Montreal Canadiens hockey, Montreal Impact Soccer, Major League Baseball, NFL football, the Masters, Olympics, and so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSM 690. Welcome back. It's hour number two, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri with you till noon with John Still. Uh, we will be breaking down some uh, NFL talk just after 1130, but right now uh, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show my partner on Montreal Impact Broadcasts, kind enough to join me in studio. Even after being here last night on the Impact Broadcast, he's Grant Needham, the original number nine. Grant, thanks for coming in, man. Seems I cannot get away from you, Joey. Well, I appreciate you making uh, the trek out to the TSN 690 headquarters uh, because uh, after last night, you had the last night you had the same face that Louis Binks made as he was on his hands and knees when Gustavo Bo scored for the Montreal Olympics. I, I still, like, I... I went to bed last night. I couldn't believe that it no, ended that I, way. No, I, I felt the same way. I, I woke up this morning going, did that just happen? Did And then you think about the whole things, and one of the problems I had was a player, well, good news, bad news is, I would replay the entire game in my head. And, you know, I, I couldn't sleep afterwards. I don't sleep well now. And I just looked at the faces, the devastation of those guys last night. After losing, they left it all on the field. You can take nothing away, and I, I thought, okay, this morning I'm going to have a different perspective, but the perspective is the same. Is One, the better of the two sides won. Two, it just, you didn't have the horses to do any more damage in that. They left it all out there, but at the end of the day, you were second best. Yeah. And it's hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. You have to play the game, like everyone says, you know, all the cliches, but this offseason, this, this next couple of weeks, they have to be important weeks for the Montreal Impact. Right. So I'm gonna, I want to go big picture with you in a second, but I want to stick with the game last night specifically, okay? Uh, the big change was Camacho in for Wanyama and or Piet because they didn't have a defensive midfielder. And I know there's a lot of people that have blamed Wanyama on the bowl goal because they feel like he's kind of turned. We actually had a caller uh, on the post-game show say that as well, and it's been a little bit of the chatter on Twitter here. Oh, the Camacho turning his back. Camacho is, turning his back. Uh, just what did you feel about the job no, he did? A center no. back, he was cramping up. He didn't have much left in the tank. And I, I understand that. And looking back at you all trying to replay something. You asked a guy that's never played in that position in a playoff game, playing in that position. I thought he was, uh, you know, I thought he did great last night. I thought he was outstanding. He was, he, he, he gave you everything he could give you in that role. He's not comfortable playing there. He's not. That's just not his normal position to play there. So anyone that says, "Oh, he, you know, he turtled," yes, he did. I get it. He turned his back coming out to block a shot. But you know, at the end, he didn't clear the ball as far as he wanted to. You could see. I just remember him lying, sitting on the floor, cramping up, yeah. and he didn't clear it out. And then, but those are things you can live with because the effort was there. It wasn't as if earlier on where he, you know, he jumped up and punched someone in the leg with silly red <laughs> card. Another one where he fluffs up a. A free kick and should have just knocked it into the space instead of, and they lose points that way. Those, this was not a game where Camacho last night. There wasn't a game that he he did anything wrong. Right. And I thought that when the coach says put me in that position, you look at a guy and Camacho puts his hand up and says I'll do it. That's a guy that you 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 have to respect. Yeah, you tip your cap to that guy. Yeah, uh, he's Grant Needham, TSN six ninety soccer analyst, joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six ninety uh, with Joey Alfieri. Um, I think the one thing, and and we knew it, Grant, right? It's not like we were, we're breaking any news to each other here. You look at the way the impact are built. Uh, they have one designated player right now. That's Victor Wanyama. And he wasn't available for this game. 
You look at the other side, and New England has Carlos Hill. They have Gustavo Bo, and they have Adam Buxa. The first two scored, and the other one hit the post twice and created some scoring opportunities. I mean, that's, that's to me where this game was won and lost. It's just the, the high-end talent on one roster is better than the high-end talent on the other roster. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, that high-end talent, like last night you could see that in the first half, both Bo and Heel were on the ball a lot. Second half, if I remember correctly, it was less of them on the ball until the last 50, like, you know, 10 minutes. But both guys showed up big. Heel gets the first goal. Bo gets the second goal. That's what you pay designated players to do, right. to win games and be difference makers. And Montreal, even with Wanyama, he's not a difference maker defensively or offensively. He's a good player. But you've got to get guys that can win games for you, and that's exactly what New England did. And their superstars last night showed up, and unfortunately, Montreal didn't have anything to counter them with. See, and, and I like Wanyama. Granted. I like and him I too. Mentioned, and I mentioned, this, I mentioned this when they signed him. That player, that that type of player, okay, a Wanyama, even like a Michael, I think Michael Bradley's a couple steps ahead of Victor Wanyama. Like, I don't think Wanyama will ever be at that level. But if you have him as a designated player, that type of player, a defensive midfielder, it means to me that your other two defense or your other two DP spots have to be settled with established attacking players. Like, I, I, I can afford to pay myself a DP defensive midfielder if I'm shelling out the money to get two difference makers as well offensively. He can't be your only he can't be your only designated player. Agreed. I, I I think that like we've already had this conversation. The only money I would be spending designated player money would be if I was going out and buying right. guys that can guarantee me goals. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna shell out the big bucks for someone that's gonna be offensively a juggernaut right. and do it. Defensively, I have those type of profiles. Like, okay, yes, you had Victor Wanyama come in, but let's think about it. You have a Piet that it's it's a maybe you could call him a poor man's Wanyama, but you still have a Piet that could do a role in that job, and then you can spend money on the guys that are going to go forward. I just think that the offseason, which starts today, is is important for the Montreal Impact. They've got to get things right. They've got to get the coaching staff. The management staff have to get on the same page, and they got to make sure that they're getting the players that they need. Grant Needham joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN six nine. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you then. Uh, it's I mean Christmas is what we're just over a month away. Okay. I say Grant Needham, Christmas wish list for the Montreal Impact. Go tell me what you want. I'm gonna go old school. I'm gonna go big number nine scores goals. Okay, up top, and I wanna. Like you have a secondary striker in a Kyoto. Mm-hmm. I wanted a creative number 10. I want a guy like a Pozuelo. I want a heel, right. someone that's going to buzz around the field, get on the ball, and be dangerous offensively creating things. Right. Uh, that's what Montreal hasn't had. Piatti was a fantastic player going one-on-one, but he wasn't that playmaker sort of ability. No. He was that finisher himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'd like to see someone like that in the middle of the park for the Montreal Impact. Everyone else you could surround. But those that if I'm going to spend big bucks, I want two offensive players. I don't want to be spending money on uh, a defensive player. You can find those at a cheaper price tag. If it's Christmas in the Needham household, I want a striker. You want goals. I want strikers. Want I want I want guys that are going to put the ball in the back of the net and be exciting going forward. We you can you can design a team concept defensively, but I just need some magic up front. Right. 
But at the same time, there there are other needs. Like we would. Agree, oh no no right? no no! Like, this is my Christmas your Christmas list. wish list. Right? Uh, listen, if like, it, what, do, what do you as, want for uh, for like things? Like in my stocking, I like yeah. to have a couple of sto- stoppers, right. like a couple of center backs, and uh, you know maybe a little bit more pace on the outside. More pace on the outside. More pace in the team. Right. I'd like to have more pace in the team. Yeah. Um, I'm curious because I'm with you. I'm with you on everything you're saying. Uh, the center backs, they definitely, I mean, if they can find, listen, I agree with you as much as Camacho played well in a holding midfield spot last night, Grant. I, That's I just, not a solution. Could, if you can, no, but if you can move on from Camacho, you move on from Camacho. It's a big salary. No. But if you do that, I, I feel like you need. Like three more center backs. I don't think Fanny should be back because he's just. I like him. But played, you've got played a whale of a game last night. But he's pushing forty. Of like, course, I gotta no, get no, no, young no. here. You got you got Binks coming back. You've got two more. You got to fill two more rules. I wonder if Reitel is back next year because he's out of contract. Oh, I wouldn't bring Reitel back. You I don't bring think. him back. I don't think so. I don't think I would bring. I think you you move along for because he's a left fullback. Traditionally, he's your left fullback, and you got Kiza that's in there, a young guy, right. twenty-two years old. Why would you sign him to bring someone back? And that's a lot of money that you're going to save. Yes, right till is an experienced guy, but at the end of the day, I think you've got to go younger. I think you've got to be the youth movement. You've and got they to, want to do that. Yeah, I, I, I believe that that's the way to do it in the, for the future. I think you've got to go that way. Um, last night showed us that there was a lot of effort, but effort without ability right. gets you so far. Effort with ability moves you on to the next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so you're talking about an attacking, creative, midfield type of guy. And a, and and a guy a striker, that puts the ball right? in the back but, of the So they've got a big decision to make with Boyan. And I don't know if they've made it or not. I'm assuming they've made it. But Boyan, if you pick up his option, he becomes a designated player. I don't know what that means. Why do you pick up his option right away? Well, you have to pick it up by... By when? Well, before the new year, right? Okay, so then now now you have... But if you're not in the plans, if he's not in the plans, but this guy's going to want to go. I, I, he wants totally, to latch on to I, I totally un- I totally understand, but the thing is, though, you've got to be looking at it the other way. You've got to say, all right, Montreal should be now doing their work. Find a guy. If you cannot find a guy that's an upgrade to Boyan, then do you offer him something? I don't think you bring him back as a designated player. I don't think you do. If you could bring him back as a, 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 reg- like a, a player that... Makes you know a million dollars, right? He's at one five now. Or uh, one if you're bringing now. him back at you know one one three, maybe even one five, you bring him back. But I I don't think you can pay the top dollars that you're going to need to pay to bring to, to bring guys that are back that are that are going to score goals for you. It's just, but I'm just thinking if you like, can you have a heel? And a Boyan on the field at the same time, like aren't they? Well, isn't yeah. what that what Boyan's well, supposed to be? You had a Boyan and a Messi on the field at the same time, yeah, yeah, so I'm not a, sure. <laughs> like so, yeah, that's a bit of a different. Well, that's so different. I do believe Boyan doesn't need to be as influential. Well, there. you the need Boyan is, to succeed. No, but maybe you would have, what you have is you have another playmaker like him around, and all of a sudden creating more space, creating more time. There was performances that we saw Boyan in the last couple of games that he was outstanding. Yeah. Yes. Outstanding. It's just, is it consistent enough? And so I, I don't know what you do with uh, things, but the beauty about it, I don't have to know. No, you don't have to know. I just want your opinion is all. Uh, Kyoto MVP, right, for the team this year? Oh, without a doubt. Close? Without a doubt. How much did he surprise you? Like, what were you expecting? Like, you'd seen, Zero. you've seen him in Houston, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was talk when he got here that he wouldn't even play a game. They were just going to cut him loose. They made the trade, sent Cabrera out. And they were just going to cut him loose. I zero expectations, zero expectations, zero really uh, knowledge of 
how dangerous he could be. I didn't realize how dangerous he could yeah. be. He was a guy that just gets into the box all the time, and he's dangerous, and he's physical. And he, uh, I'm amazed that he hasn't had more success. Right. I think this is the first year he actually scored eight goals. Or well, that the playoff goal last night was eight, I think. And so, okay. but that's in a shortened season. shortened season. Where I was seven with you. Well, that's what I'm saying. I go. I'm amazed that he only got yeah. seven. You surround that guy with some some service, and who knows? Who knows? Mm. He was dangerous. He was all season. He was very consistent yeah. when he wasn't there. They 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 definitely missed him. Uh, last one for you, Grant. Fire away. Uh, in goal, we saw Pantemis a little bit. You saw a lot of Diop. Are you good with that duo coming into next season? Yes. Or do they need somebody else? Yes. You're yes. fine with that. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Pantemis showed you enough. Diop showed me enough to be the number one. Really? Yeah. Now, Pantemis is still young, and I think he's got upside. But I don't think you could have the Evan Bush-Diop controversy where both guys are number ones really in their right. minds. Uh, Pantemis, he wants to be a number one. He has the ability to be the number one. I don't know if he ever will be the number one, but I think that uh, he's still got a lot to learn. And... This is a perfect place for him to learn that. It was fun, uh, Grant, all season long calling games with you. Uh, I did a couple with Olivier Brett as well. I know you worked a bunch with Olivier. It was uh, it was super a whole fun. Lot of it was fun. it was a strange year, but it was super fun. It was uh, heartbreaking. It was. Last night was heartbreaking. I felt for the guys, and yeah. you know, the drive home was upsetting. The, the going to sleep was a bit upsetting, <laughs> but. Uh, you live to you know the sun comes up and it's another day. So I think that the impact our home. They're now going to be a little bit more refreshed. They're going to recharge the batteries, and uh, we're back at it. December fifteenth, yeah, December fifteenth against uh, Honduran side Olympia. Uh, what was the most crushing loss you ever had on the pitch? Uh, I don't know. You don't know what the most cru- like. There's not one. You just put it out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot more victories than losses. <laughs> there was a lot more celebration. Yeah. Um, you you but beat back up, in the day, beat up but, on those Toronto Lynx But I'll say, back in the day, it was win or lose, we hit the booze. So what's the difference, wow. right? So that was sort of the mentality back then. No, there was a couple of heartbreaking losses, but I, like nothing jumps to mind that, oh my gosh, we got scored on in the last minute. Right. It was, you know, 10 minutes left and we've given everything and there's nothing left in the tank and you know you just don't have anything left to get there. There's a few of those games. Um, maybe a, a playoff game against Atlanta where they came in big underdogs, but seven starters in the last two games got hurt. And we just had nothing. Really? Yeah, it was nothing left. And I remember I was coming back from my knee injury and they taped me from ankle because I couldn't wear a brace. Ankle to right up my hip. And I was like, it was crazy. I was like in a full cast. And I hobbled onto the field and we just could not get it done. We lost one nothing. Uh, that was a heartbreaker because that was the team that we were destined to do it all. Mm. And we just couldn't do it. Thanks for uh, everything this season, Grant. I appreciate you uh, mentoring me along the way. Even though you brought me down the, the wrong path a couple times, it's of course. Fine. Uh, listen, we figured out that's the fun uh, we path. figured out. Yeah, we, that is the fun path. We figured out our way, and I appreciate you coming in this morning doing this with us. Not a problem. Thanks. That's Grant Needham, TSN six ninety soccer analyst. Saturday sports poll question: How do you feel about the Montreal Impact's future after what you witnessed in twenty twenty? Uh, your options at Joey Alfieri and at TSN six ninety are trending up for sure. Too early to tell. 
don't have a good feeling. Uh, right now, uh, John and I, John still, are both in the trending up for sure category. Uh, but uh, we've had a little bit of movement on the poll results here, John. Uh, don't have a good feeling and too early to tell are now tied for the lead. 35% apiece and trending up for sure is down to 30%. Uh, so you and I are, are in the minority, which uh, doesn't happen very often. Uh, but uh, the Montreal Impact coming off that tough, coming off that tough elimination loss to the New England Revolution yesterday, but somehow it's not over. Uh, as I mentioned before, they do have that uh, Concacaf Champions League game against Olympia, the Honduran side uh, that goes in about a month. The New Orleans Saints are going with Taysom Hill at quarterback instead of Jameis Winston. Why would they do that, and what does it mean for Winston's long-term future in New Orleans? The coach, Jeff Reinbold, will tell us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Fourth down and 10 now. They need the 17 for a first down. Three receivers right, two left. Here's the snap. Murray back to pass. Murray hit. Murray is sacked. Carlos Dunlap gets his second sack of the game, and the Seahawks take over with 34 seconds to go. Welcome back. Saturday Sports, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John still with you till noon. Uh, that was Carlos Dunlap. The Seattle defense made a play. Made a play to win the game. Secure lead, and uh, they end up winning Thursday night football. They beat the Arizona Cardinals 28-21. We had that for you on TSN 690. And uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, we've got uh, wall-to-wall NFL coverage uh, beginning at 1 o'clock or 1230 uh, right through the end uh, of the Sunday nighter. So it's all NFL all the time on Sunday on TSN 690. And to talk about the National Football League is our good buddy. I don't even want to say friend of the show. I want to say best friend of the show because he's back in Hawaii now. I believe it is 6.40 Hawaii time, AM that is. Jeff Reinbold, the coach. How are you, Jeff? I'm great, guys. How's everything back in Montreal? It's uh, it's colder than where you are. Uh, yeah, I'll bet it is. It's beautiful where I am. Yeah. Are you? Did you wake up specifically for this hit, or were you up at this time anyway? No, you know what, Joey? My wife and I have kind of a little tradition. We get up and go out on the lanai and... and uh, kind of watch the sun come up and look out at the water and it's it's, it's all awful nice so it fit perfect so you're saying i ruined the romantic morning is what you're no trying to no say. no no you can never ruin romance <laughs> you, just, you just put it on hold <laughs> you had uh, <laughs> all right uh you had a uh, you had a big birthday this week yeah, you know what? I've had a bunch of them. It's another trip around the sun. I feel I'm a pretty lucky guy. And, you know, I I, I thought about that the other day when, when uh, you know, it was birthday day and, and just how lucky I am to have all all the wonderful experiences I've had in my life. And, you know, to have a chance to do, like, even do this is, is, is a gas for me. So it's awesome. Yeah, for 40 years old, uh, Jeff, you really, you've kept it together very nicely. I don't know how you have 45 years of experience for a 40-year-old man. I'm not sure how that works, but let's just roll with it. Uh, we played the the Seattle Seahawks, the Carlos Dunlap sack. Uh, that was a nice trade. I mean, he's a veteran guy, a talented player. They, we know you've mentioned this countless times to us. They did need help on defense. Uh, how do you feel like Carlos Dunlap has, has fit in, and do you think that this might be a building block for the Seattle defense because they've been, they've been terrible all season? 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting trade because, you know, here's an 11 year veteran who was a, you know, had been a Pro Bowl player a number of times and is known as a pass rusher, kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. I think, you know, with the youth movement in Cincinnati, they kind of shoved him to the side. And so John Snyder was able to, you know, get him, get a deal done with Cincinnati and really, really has fit a need. They, you know, if you look at the three games he's played, Joey, he's had three sacks in three games, and, and I think they may have had three sacks the entire season before he came over. And that was the most glaring need that they had on defense. Now, let me just say this. They're not out of the woods yet because there's still some problems uh, that that they have. They still make too many mistakes in the st- in the secondary. Yeah. But I think what they've what Kenny Norton, the defensive coordinator, has kind of hit on is you got to move Jamal Adams down in the box where he can be a factor, and we saw that again the other night. Bobby Wagner still has a lot of you know tread left on his tires, and hopefully Dunlop can be that kind of designated pass rusher that they have been desperate for. You go back to the Legion of Boom days, and whether it was you know uh, Irvin or you know Michael and or any of those guys that that they had great pass rushers. You know Michael Bennett could play inside and he could play outside and. You know, that was one of the reasons why they were as good a defense as they were, and they they just have not had a pass rusher for a couple years. He's Jeff Reinbold. He's our uh, TSN 690 football analyst, also football analyst for Sky Sports, and the special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats with Joey Alfieri and John Still. John? Jeff, I feel like you're in a perfect position to answer this question for me because I was very critical after the game of Cliff Kingsbury's uh, play calling just because – the, the Seahawks have been decent against the run this year, but if you're going to run the RPO with Kyler Murray, after a while you do have to run the ball to at least keep the defense honest. And definitely in the first half, he did not do that. It ended uh, 18 rushes, I believe, to 42 pass attempts uh, in terms of the play calling. And then Kyler gets hurt, so it's not exactly uh, ideal to be uh, going back to the run when you're chasing the game a little bit. Did do you feel like, or my a better question would be, how do you strike a balance in play calling, especially as a younger coach in the NFL, um, to to make sure that you're always keeping the defenses on their toes, even if they were a porous defense going into that game? Well, you know, John, that's a great observation because when you when you know that offense and you know Cliff's history at Texas Tech, when they are when that thing's going, it's when they have balance and they're actually running the ball more than they're passing the football. You know, they, they need about a, you know, 52, 48 in terms of percentage run to pass uh, balance with, with the run being emphasized. You got Kenyon Drake back healthy. I, I watched the game uh, like you, and I just sat, especially in the first half, I thought, you know, I, I really didn't understand what was, what, what he was trying to get done. And I didn't know if it was a question of Murray being hurt. And then in the second half, they come out and, you know, tried to run it at least a little bit, and, and they were able to move the ball some. You know, it, I think sometimes the game gets away from guys, and there's a tendency, and, and again, uh, you know, this is not being critical, it's just an observation of over 40 years of being in pro football, that offensive coaches tend to want to be the smartest guy in the room, and they can sometimes outthink themselves. And I'll tell you what, when you go into big games, and this is really, really important, that when you go into big games and you go into crucial situations, you need to think players, not plays. And I thought Cliff was too heavy into the play concept and not heavy enough into getting his his best players the football. And it's and it's not the first time all year because you look back a couple of weeks ago, I think it was against the Dolphins. Uh, you know, 
DeAndre Hopkins, who's as good a receiver as the National Football League, got one target. And I don't care how much double zone they're playing. You've got to find a way to get your, your playmakers the football. Those offensive guys, eh, Jeff, they're the worst. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The worst is just the natural way that they are. Their brains are wired different. And, you know, they think, they, they view the game in a different way yeah. than I think other guys do. And that's one of the, that's one of the, reasons why Belichick has had so much success is he doesn't look at the game about statistics or, you know, what we do or any of that. Look at what they have done in the last two weeks, how they've morphed that offense from being, you know, they tried to make Cam function inside a system that, that mm. Brady ran. And if they realized after seven weeks, they just couldn't do that. He couldn't function in that system. So what they do they went back up their strength, which is the offensive line. They put him under center, and it looks like, you know, 1980 NFL again. But they've also won a couple games, and, yeah. you know, they're, they're still hanging on in that Eastern, you know, in that AFC East. So guys who, guys who can do it with ego-free as much as you can in this business because everybody has an ego, they're the ones that usually are, have the most success. Uh, speaking of offensive players, uh... I'm not a fan. I'm going to call it a gimmick. The Taysom Hill thing in New Orleans, I I know it works sometimes, Jeff, but I just, I don't like Drew Brees coming off the field for Taysom Hill. But now, you know, Brees is hurt, uh, collapsed lung, broken ribs. He's on IR. Uh, Jameis Winston came off the bench last week to replace Brees, but they're going with Taysom Hill. What was your reaction when you heard that? Well, there's so many subplots and storylines to this thing because of the fact that, you know, number one, it's an indictment of when Taysom Hill who is an undrafted free agent out of BYU, doesn't even go to the combine. I mean, doesn't that's the 500 best players. He doesn't even make that cut, doesn't go to the combine, can start over Heisman Trophy winner, Maxwell Award winner, Peyton Manning Award winner, national champion, first player picked in the draft. That says an awful lot about people's ability to evaluate quarterbacks. I mean, the reality of it is, Taysom Hill is a much better athlete than Jameis Winston is. And I'm not saying he's a better quarterback, but he gives them some flexibility that Jameis doesn't. Jameis went in last week, and I thought, you know, I watched it really close. The first six throws were real simple stuff, and he got the ball out of his hands, and he Mm -hmm. was reasonably accurate. But if you look at that game in its totality, Joey, he throws a ball that – I don't know what he saw, but he threw it right to a defender, clanked off his chest, or he'd had an interception. And then late in the game, he he just flat misses a guy wide open in the end zone. So that's the aggravating thing about Jameis Winston. You know, you look at his you look at his history. He he's had he's done some really impressive things. He was you know he was a, a rookie of the year guy, but he's also a guy that set the NFL record. The his in the history of the NFL, no quarterback has turned the ball over in one season more than he has. Yeah. So you're faced with that dilemma when you're Sean Payton. And then you sprinkle in the fact, and I don't think that, I mean, I would guarantee you this is, this is part of the equation. Who's Sean Payton's guy? It's Taysom Hill. He's, he's advocated for him since Taysom got waived out of Green Bay. He went to Green Bay out of college as a free agent, got waived out of Green Bay. They brought him in, put him on a practice roster. They activated him in December. And every every year he's gotten a little bit more and a little bit more and become a bigger part of that offense. He is 
he, he's almost like uh, Sean Payton's play favorite plaything. And now Payton gets a chance to show the world that you know he was right. Now again, so we're talking about we just talked about that topic with egos and how they can get involved in your decision making. I think what you're going to see personally is I think you're going to see a little bit of package for both of them, and you'll see both guys on the mm-hmm. field. And I think I just don't know. I'm with you. I don't know. Taysom Hill's got to show me he can throw it well enough to win in the National Football League. He's got 11 completions in his career, Jeff. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not a, <laughs> it's not a great big sample size. No. And, you know, so you, you've got on hand, you've got, one, you've got one guy who you signed for $11 million in the offseason um, who to be your backup and to be your Teddy Bridgewater, uh, which Teddy functioned very well when Drew got hurt last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the on the other hand, you know, Peyton lobbied to get Taysom hired. I mean, signed in the offseason. I think he signed a twenty one million dollar deal in the offseason for four years. Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of people laughed when they put that much money into him in the offseason. And I think this is again one of those deals where. Uh, there's a little bit of I'll show you in this deal. Uh, all right, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, the last I want to get you all out on this, Jeff. Uh, just your your thoughts on the MVP race. It just it seems to change this year more than ever, just week to week. And you know, the Kyler Murray had gotten some love last week, but they lose this week, so he's on the back burner. Russ had a couple tough games; he's fallen by the wayside. To me, I'm looking at this right now, and I know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is old reliable, but I think he's got to be in the mix, what he's done with the Green Bay Packers for the most part this season. And Patrick Mahomes, it seems like we've already, you know, the, the national media is already <laughs> fed up of that storyline, but Patrick Mahomes has been lighting it up all over again. I mean, think about it now. I mean, the guy is the guy's all, I mean, he's unconscious sometimes. He makes throws nobody else can make. But it's it, it, because he's been so good, it's like we just say, well, you take it for granted. And, and I agree with you. The, the MVP race is all over the map because, you know, like you said, Kyler Murray got hot. You know, for a while it was, oh, Russell win it. And, but, but I think the cream always rises to the top. The guy that I think has, has been really the MVP of the, of the season has been Ben Roethlisberger to me. He came back off that injury uh, healthier. He's in better shape. Um, he's the only quarterback that's got an undefeated team. But, you know, certainly I think it's going to go down to the last, Eight weeks of the season before we, you know, can figure this one out because it's going to be who's going to be the hot horse going in, you know, around the final curve. You get your Twitter account back? No, I don't know what's going on with that. So anybody that follows me on Twitter, please, I apologize. I, I'm sure people have been trying to get a hold of me. It's not that I'm a knucklehead and not not answering folks. It's just I don't know what's going on with my Twitter account. Yeah, I I miss your the videos. The, the it's just the, the you always brighten up my timeline, and I I'll be honest with you, Jeff, I miss it. We gotta well, we gotta get this straightened out. If anybody out there's an IT guy, and I certainly am not, I just learned recently how to hit the off button and the on button. But um, <laughs> if there's anybody that knows how to anything about that stuff. Please contact me because I, I need my Twitter account back. Hey Jeff, uh, we all can't have everything, you know. Uh, strolls and uh, romantic strolls in Hawaii. Uh, Forty years old with forty-five years experience. I mean, come on. Uh, I think no, we can no, handle no. a Twitter pause. Uh, John, no, we need to. We John, need to. I'm we need to him. 
I, I'm about to go on one of those ran- romantic strolls too, and they always end. They always end up nice. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, I'll let you get to it, Jeff. And uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming on. We'll chat again next week. All right, guys. See you next week. This is Jeff Reinbold, the coach, special teams coordinator of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, and uh, he's also a Sky Sports NFL analyst. He's about to go on a romantic stroll with the wife. And then what happens after that? I don't know. I don't want to know. Uh, that's up to him. I just hope that he can get his Twitter account back. Going to try to help Jeff get that back and set up this week. Uh, speaking of football, CFL unveiled their schedule for the 2021 season yesterday. Hopefully the league starts on time and we get games as soon as May. But there's one aspect of the Alouette schedule that really disappointed me. I know I'm in the minority on this one. But just hear me out. I'm Joey Alfieri. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Montreal Canadiens hockey. Montreal Impact Soccer. Major League Baseball. NFL Football. The Masters. Olympics. And so much more. Your home for Major League Sports is TSN 690. Good Saturday morning. Joey Alfieri, Saturday Sports on TSN 690. We've got a few minutes left and uh, wanted to talk about this. Uh, CFL unveiling their 2021 schedule, and uh, I believe there's one preseason game uh, that could get going, or a couple preseason games get going at the end of May. Uh, so I don't know if uh, the CFL is going to play in May. I think they'll probably wait it out, see if they can get fans in the building. Maybe that means the season starts in August or September. But uh, yesterday they unveiled the full schedule for the season, and the first week of preseason is the last week of May. Uh, so uh, I'm hoping that we're going to see some of that. Uh, the Alouettes got their uh, got their full schedule as well, and a couple of uh, early observations. Uh, they've limited the travel to the West a little bit. Um, so to give you an example... Typically, the Alouette schedule would be made up of uh, many trips or multiple trips to one or two of Ottawa, Toronto, and Hamilton. And uh, and this time, uh, they're actually... And, and you would get... Sorry, just to clear that up. So there's usually multiple uh, matches or games against Ottawa, Toronto, and Hamilton. And then you would have... You would play each West Division team twice. Once at their home field, once at your home field. Uh, just to be clear. And this year, the change is they actually get to play Ottawa four times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, it's four regular season matchups against Ottawa, plus the two preseason games against Ottawa as well. So in all, you'll see Ottawa six times if the entire CFL season is played out. And I think the the reason for that, especially when it comes to the preseason, you want to limit travel. Ottawa comes to Montreal. They can do that by bus. Montreal goes to Ottawa. They can do that by bus as well. Don't have to play for, you don't have to pay for hotels uh, for the players to stay there. The night, that same night, you come straight home. Uh, it's just an easier, less expensive way to travel. And we know CFL, uh, financially, it's going to be tough for them, uh, especially uh, given that they've missed the season and especially because fans might not be allowed in the buildings right away. Uh, the other thing that kind of jumped out is that Calgary will come to Montreal but Montreal will not go to Calgary. And Montreal will go to Edmonton, but Edmonton will not come to Montreal. So that's one less Western trip, which means that you get an extra game against you know one of the Hamilton or Toronto's. Uh, I believe they get an extra game against Hamilton. So you're playing four games against Ottawa, three games against Hamilton, two games against the Toronto Argonauts, uh, or three games against the Toronto Argonauts. So that's that basically makes up most of your schedule, right, as your Eastern Division foes. And uh, so, yeah, they've limited the travel. But the one thing I will say, I'm in the minority on this. John Still, I don't know how you feel about this, 
but very disappointed that the Alouettes have gone away again from their Sunday afternoon 1 p.m. games. I'm a big NFL guy. You know that I watch. I will sit down on my couch from 1 until 10.30 mm-hmm. watching NFL action. But there's something about live football, being at Molson Stadium on a beautiful, you know, a sunny day on the mountain that you just you can't replicate. And, and I don't understand people who will rather sit at home and watch the NFL on TV then go to the stadium and watch live professional football in your own city. I just I, I don't understand that. Well, I'm one of those people, so uh, we are not to be understood uh, from your perspective. I think it's really just a sponsorship thing. I think it comes down to the, the sponsors uh, want to feel like uh, they're not competing with the National Football League, and I get it. Again, it all comes down to money. And what's the difference between uh, a Saturday uh, 1 p.m. start as someone who is not a huge fan of college just, football? It, I know, but it's just different. Like Sunday is football day. I know. You know, I know. what I mean? It's just it's football day on Sunday. So I'm willing to miss one o'clock games. I'm telling you right now, I'm willing to miss NFL. And but anyway, they want, but the, how that's many the thing of those is they is want there? their viewership to be as high as humanly possible. And if you're playing it against the National Football League, you just can't do that. Yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. I don't care. I don't. I don't. Come care on, you're you're that. a smart enough CFL man. Than, I am. Uh, to I am. Say I that. get it. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Like, are the, do the numbers really take that much of a hit? On TSN, like I'd, I'd have to see uh, on TSN and RDS, the numbers take that much of a hit. Sundays at one, like if you're an Owls fan in Montreal, you're gonna watch. And and by the way, they only start playing the one o'clock games on Sundays in after Labor Day, which is exactly when the NFL season starts. But it's not like they do this all year, right? But I know uh, the fans will openly complain that they don't want to be at the stadium on Sundays at one. I I personally don't get it. We grew up with season tickets in the family. I loved Sundays at one. That's not to say I don't love Thursday night. I don't love Friday night. Uh, but I don't know. There's just something about going to the stadium Sunday at 1 o'clock that's just awesome. I'll be at all those Saturday games. Don't worry. Saturday night. Yeah, they're going to be Saturday night at 7. You're not even going to get daytime weekend games. That's not happening anymore. There's a couple of Thursdays, a couple Fridays, some Saturday nights, and uh, that's pretty much the Alouette schedule. Uh, it's been fun. John, thanks for uh, pushing all the right buttons and saying most of the right things up until this last segment. Really appreciate it. Uh, if you missed any part of the show, uh, you can go to the uh, TSN 690 podcast page. You'll find interviews with Patrick Bexel from Habs Eyes on the Prize, with Jeff Reinbold, and with Grant Needham. Uh, if you missed the entire show, you can go to uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Play, and we're on SoundCloud, and you can catch the entire show uh, if you missed the jaunt, and, jaunt, yeah, John and I ranting about the Montreal Impact uh, at the beginning of the show, we uh, we actually agreed quite a bit. Uh, final results on the poll question, John. Just how do you feel about the Montreal Impact's future, given everything that you've seen in 2020? And the results, the final poll results, are 36% of people say they don't have a good feeling about where the Impact are headed. 35% say it's too early to tell, and 29% say they are trending up for sure. So you and I were more positive than the majority of our audience here this morning. Ah, Montreal, gonna Montreal. I love Montreal. I love Montreal. What a town. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody. NFL football coming up next on TSN 690 all day on Sunday.